Okay, three tips for prayer. Keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. That's it. Keep it simple. Don't feel you've got to get too complicated. You know, Jesus told a parable explicitly saying that the snotty-nosed, weeping tax collector, just saying, Lord, have mercy, was heard by God, and the Pharisee with all the flowery language wasn't. So keep it simple. Just be honest with God. That's the second one. Keep it real. Don't feel you have to pretend with God. About half to two-thirds of the book of Psalms is lament. It's not happy-clappy. It's God, why have you done this? And why isn't that working? And so we can afford to grieve and to even be angry at times in prayer. Tell God what you're really thinking, not what you think you ought to say. Keep it real. And the third thing is keep it up, just persevere. Prayer is like stacking dominoes. And, and one day you pray the prayer you prayed a thousand times before and the whole lot comes down and the breakthrough happens. Not because it was a special prayer, just because you didn't give up one prayer too soon. And Jesus told a parable explicitly about that, saying you must keep praying and not give up. So keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Well, guys, sometime, I think it was in January, I told my spiritual director that I had a problem. Um, I, I went, I was like, you know, I'm having a real problem with unforgiveness. Something that happened around the holidays. I may not be the only one who around the holidays had some, you know, stepped on toes, hurt feelings anyways. And uh, I, um, I, I prayed about it because, you know, I'm a good Christian. I, I went to God in prayer. And, um, well, this is my, my prayer sounded a little bit more like... Um, you know, I recounted, I, I told Jesus how annoyed I was at this consistent pattern of, you know, uh, uh, inconsideration and selfishness. Do you remember the last time this happened? It's my suspicion that Jesus wandered off at some point in time, but I did not notice, frankly. Um, and I, I recounted all the, the reasons why this was wrong and my feelings were hurt. And then I said, and God, I forgive them. And I was just as annoyed and frustrated at the end of my prayer as when I started. So I said, you know, I just, I feel like I might have this problem with, you know, unforgiveness. My prayers were not working. How many of us have times when our prayers don't, don't work? When we go before God and we're like, hi, Lord, Lord God, I need your, your help to get me through this situation. Just help me get through it. And then we don't get through it. And I think that the help prayer, we, we go to God and we're like, help. That is a, a time-honored prayer that God responds to. When he hears his kids in, in need, he responds. But my prayer was not working. And when there's an issue with me and God, I know that the issue is on my end. It's not a problem with God. It's a problem with me. So my spiritual director suggested I just take a couple of minutes and, and sit in God's presence. And as I sat in God's presence, relaxed, calmed myself. I, I started to receive Jesus' love. I realized that I was stressed and anxious. I was sitting in a place of, of judgment towards my, myself and, and life um, as well as this other person. So I just, I, I stopped and I received Jesus' love, his smile, his forgiveness, his grace over my every mistake, his his goodness and kindness that just meets me and just warms up my soul. And then, then the rest was easy. I didn't even have to, to, to pray really about forgiveness, like forgiving them. Oh, Jesus, it's already done. I, I bless them. I, I thank you for them. It kind of, forgiveness kind of came prepackaged in the whole thing that God had just, just given me. 
Today, I want to talk about what's probably the most underused and really should be one of the first parts of prayer. A pause, a stopping, a listening, a centering, pausing before God. My picture of uh, kind of how I conceptualize what this looks like is a grand central station, that, that terminal there where you stand in a place uh, of beauty, of, of warmth. You stand in that central kind of like clearinghouse. It's sitting, it's staying in that place. And then you're oriented, then you're directed, then you can head off to where you need to go. But you don't rush through that. It's a place of orientation, of warmth, and of beauty. Pause is the first uh, in our PRAY acronym. P for, for pause, if you want to know what the R-A-Y stands for, it will be equally helpful and useful. Come back the next three weeks. We're going to be focusing on prayer using this acronym uh, to really help us develop um, our prayer lives. But why? why? Why pause? Why is this a good idea for you? Well, I think it leads to a deeper uh, a prayer life. I think number one, it addresses where we're actually at, what we're actually dealing with, like from my example. Um, and then I think it leads us to what God actually wants to do in our lives, what he how he wants to meet us in prayer. I mean, my my shopping list is is good, it's fine. God's is even better. I just think it's going to be really helpful for us in developing prayer, which is followers of Jesus. That's typically a goal, but also just broadly um, helping us develop more integrated, healthier, spiritual lives that are really meeting what we're going through and what God wants to do in our lives. So let's pray together and then we'll unpack what this pause looks like. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you call us to prayer, that you want to hear from us, your kids, and that you've taught us in the Bible how, how to pray well. So this morning, we thank you for starting that conversation with us, from wanting to hear from us, from being so kind and gracious and loving and calling us into prayer. Our hearts say yes to you this morning. We do pause, take a moment to receive your love for our hearts, our souls, the, the core of our beings to say yes to you, Jesus. Would you guide us as we read scripture this morning? Would our hearts and our minds be open to what you're doing in us? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to be looking at Psalm 62 this morning. And you know, it's so hard to choose a Psalm. I had like five options at the beginning of this week. I'm like, no, no, I got to narrow it down to just one. There's so many uh, good Psalms. So Psalm 62 says, I wait quietly before God for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. My soul waits for God alone. There's kind of a, a singularity of focus. The one thing, one thing I wait for. And this is a, it's a surrendered silence. There's a focus. Um, it's a silence before someone. This isn't yoga or new age where you just empty yourself for nothing. It's I wait before God. It's all about the presence of the Lord. It comes out of a respect and a reverence for the Lord Almighty before whom it is silly to be chattering away in front of I wait quietly before the Lord. 
and then it gets personal. So many enemies are against me, all of them trying to kill me. To them, I'm just a broken down wall. To them, I'm like a, a tottering fence. They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. It's got some real problems here. He wants to tell God, tell God your real problems. But let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. Pray that with me this morning, friends. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will not be shaken. My victory and my honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. There's something about quietness and stillness that um, helps us to own, to live into the things of God. We're kind of rushed in kind of a marketplace of, of spiritual things. We kind of grab a little prayer and worship and then set it down, grab this Bible passage and set it and like a little worship, a little this, a little that. Quietness and, and stillness helps us to integrate this, kind of like digest it so we can really live into and own the things of God. Verse 8, oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. In quietness, we find confidence. Verse 9, common people are as worthless as a puff of wind, and the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them on the scales together, they are like a breath of air. Don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. If your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. In quietness, we see our problems accurately. This too shall pass. We sit in God's presence and view our problems from God's presence. We, we live in his presence. We don't live in our problems. And from the vantage point of quietness, we also accurately see our success. A little quietness before God keeps you humble and realistic. Moving on to the end of this prayer. God has spoken plainly, and I have heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. And again, I have heard from God, surely you repay all people according to what they have done. From this spot of waiting and quietness, we hear the Lord speak to us and what he says is good for our souls. As we talk about prayer, as we look at this example from the Psalms of prayer, prayer starts with God. God has the first word. God has the first word in all things, in my life, in my, in my spiritual life. God is first. And prayer responds to what God has done. Prayer is second. Eugene Peterson says, prayer is never the first word. It is always the second. God has the first word. Prayer is answering speech. It is not addressing God, but it is responding to God. So we pause. Then we respond. We're silent. And then we do what's typically termed prayer. Because I talk plenty. I talk plenty. I, I talk at work. I talk at home. I talk to my friends, my kids, uh, strangers in the grocery store. I talk through texting or, or typing. Sometimes I even talk to myself. 
Let's be honest, how many of us talk to ourselves? Hands up, please. Hands up. You know, we all do it. We talk to ourselves and say, oh, and then I'll tell them about this great deal I found. They'll be so impressed. Mm, definitely what he should do. Oh, yes. And the deal with the Red Sox this season, it's really fascinating material, perfectly tailored to my interests and opinions. But I do not need to talk more. And in the presence of God, it is wisdom to be silent and it is healing to hear. You know, listening to God is um, it's something we do together uh, as a family. Uh, we'll do some family time together and then just um, pray a little bit and then have some time of quiet and hear what the Lord speaks to us. Um, and with, with my kids, you know, they do this just as well as me. The, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. They hear from God um, just as much as their pastor parents do. Uh, so we were doing this a couple of weeks ago and um, my seven-year-old, um, drew a picture and it just it made her so happy and just really enlivened her um so this is her uh, picture it says um this is uh, her and uh, god and um it says god is happy when he sees me um i am a child of god and just god is happy when he sees me uh, my nephew uh, he does this um surprise surprise my twin sister does a similar thing with her kids um but um, my, my nephew wrote out a little thing, and he says, God is love. God loves love. Love is his job. And when he comes home from his work loving people, it's also his hobby that he does for the rest of the evening. Um, it's, it's so sweet, but it's so true. And it's ministered directly to, you know, my nephew's soul, to my daughter's soul. These words that we hear from God impact us. Good things come when we stop and when we listen, pausing opens the door for, for God to speak. This is something we can't rush. And we do, of course, like to rush. Um, I think about my first job. Um, I was a waitress at this, like, nice, um, big uh, re resort um, close to my home. I grew up on the Connecticut shoreline. So, you know, two, two towns over, there's, like, a big, like, kind of, like, country club. Um, it wasn't a country club, but it was similar type, type of restaurant. And um, it was a great job. I tried very, very hard for a long time to get a job as good as this job. Uh, I feel like I reached my uh, pinnacle. Um, I mean, I just made great money and it was hopping. And, um, but when I was 19 or 20, I had a job that I really struggled to, to recreate for the next decade um, of my, my life. The economy was just great and they were willing to hire college students for just the summer. So a uh, nice big restaurant, and um, the kitchen was downstairs, so you have to go up this big flight of stairs um, to then serve uh, uh, the food. And um, so you'd load up your tray, and it was heavy. They had heavy, good quality china. And um, a Friday or Saturday night, I was working, it was going, the place was hopping, you know, I had all these tables, all these orders coming in. I'm like, I'm going to really load up my tray downstairs so I don't have to make kind of a longer trip to, to the kitchen. So I come up the stairs and, you know, got it's super heavy. I'm feeling all good about myself, all, all proud of myself. I put my tray down slowly. It's so heavy on, on the tray stand. Go to deliver. Um, I probably had three tables together on, on one tray. It was stacked. I go to deliver one uh, table, the, their meal. Here you go. Here's your, your lobster risotto. And I look at my tray. 
in the other corner of the dining room. I, I hadn't taken it off in like equal balance of what was left over there. I see it very slowly start to just topple over and then it just crashes. I mean, we're talking about like $300 of food right there. It was, uh, I was, I was horrified. And, um, of course it put me way behind for the rest of the evening. And, um, Thankfully, I'd been working there for, for a while, and um, I did not get, get fired over this. But at the end of the evening, the manager came up to me. I was just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And he was a great manager. All he said was, Sarah, never rush. When it gets fast, you get careful. Never rush. And that was it. Then he walked away, and... Uh, but it's just really, he was just so clear and so focused. You know, when it gets fast, you get careful. Rushing, hurrying, you know, trying to stuff as much as we can into one day, trying to be fast, trying to be, you know, uh, efficient, quote unquote. Multitasking, you know, it's just not really such, such a good thing. But we think like if we rush, if we go faster, that will make things better. And it doesn't. Um, there's a book I really like called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And uh, the author, it's a, a Christian book, talks about his worst moments are when he's hurrying, are when he's rushing. When he's trying to get out the door fast, that's when he snaps at his kids. You know, when he's trying to get something done, that's when he's not nice to his wife. You know, rushing, hurrying does not bring out the best in us. And the truth is, I can do many things in life hurrying. I frequently do. I cannot pray when I'm in a rush. There's just something about this spiritual life, something about staying with God, something about being close to God that is not on a timetable. That is, it requires dwelling and being, not rushing and doing. Martin Luther said, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. God is not stingy. God is not holding out on us. Prayer is not overcoming just saying, please, do it, do it, please. How about now? Do it now, do it now. We don't need to overcome God's reluctance. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. Prayer is accessing God's willingness. Prayer is accessing God's willingness. Prayer is about aligning ourselves with the yes about God. Prayer is about putting ourselves, what's God doing? What does he want to do? And then getting ourselves in that spot. Prayer is saying yes and amen to the plans of Jesus. It's saying your kingdom come, your will be done. All of Christian spirituality is about putting ourselves under the lordship of Jesus. My, my behavior, my spirit, my preferences, my identity, my will, surrendering it to Jesus, putting it under his lordship, letting him have control, letting him call the shots, letting him make decisions, putting myself in alignment with his spirit. So prayer is accessing his willingness. Prayer is saying yes to what God wants to do. God is willing. What's his will? What does God want? And I think about, um, you know, when I was in my late 20s uh, trying to decide whether I wanted to um, go to seminary, get a master's degree in, in theology. So you kind of go before God and you're like, okay, God, should I? Should I do this? Like, yes, no, thumbs up, thumbs down. What should I do? Um, and uh, feeling like 
God didn't really want to tell me what I should do. And um, so I said, God, God, what do you want? And I'm feeling like God said, I want to help you love me more. I want you to, to love me more. I said, great. Well, then that's definitely a yes to, to seminary to, because uh, learning about God, I, I really like um, studying about God, learning things just really helps me enjoy God and appreciate him uh, intellectually. It's very helpful for me to, to love God. I'm like, yes, well, going to seminary is definitely going to help me love God. Done. I'm there. But God, what do you want? You know, something powerful happens when we stop and pause and, and listen. When we listen, God speaks. When we're still, God moves. And he will move. Guys, this isn't a contemplative, just passive, just, just sit there. God will move. Jesus will intervene in our situations. Uh, I promise you, in your life, he will. He's always moved in my life. He is faithful and true and will accomplish and will do what he has said he will do. God is not, God's not sitting in some bigger church. God's not sitting in some more Christian country listening to, to holier people. He's here. He's with you. He cares about you. He cares about me. When Moses, um, this is so um, convicting to me. When Moses, uh, at the burning bush, he sees this bush on fire, he's like, whoa. And he says, God, who are you? God doesn't give him a title. He doesn't say, I am the Lord, Reverend God Almighty. He doesn't give himself a title, Mr. God, Mr. President, the Creator, see resume, everything. He doesn't give himself a name, names, name, things. Uh, God's not an, an object. He doesn't give himself an adjective. He doesn't say, I am wonderful. I am perfection. I am beauty. True as all of those things are. God, who are you? He says, I am. It's a verb, an action. God is being, movement, love. God acts. He is the one who acted initially in beginning, and he will act and continue to act and move and love God does. And we sit, we're still, we listen, we receive, and then we join with God in what he's doing. God does, and we say yes to what he's doing in our lives, in this church, in our community. Friends, let's pray together. Let's pause, and let's see how God's going to move in our lives. Join with me, friends, uh, just centering yourself in the love and the presence of God. And Jesus, we stop, we acknowledge you are first, you are most, you are leader. We want to be silent that you would be loud. We want to be still so that you would shape us. And Jesus, most of all, would you be first and we be second? Would your voice be first and our voice be second? In our prayer, Lord God, let us be led by you. In our lives, let us be led by you. And we trust the paths that you will lead us. And you are a good leader. We surrender to you this morning. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.